0: I wonder if we could turn to the book of Romans for our scripture reading again, uh, to the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, and we'll read from verse one of the chapter. Romans chapter six, and beginning our reading at verse one of the chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness (coughs) unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we know the Lord will add his blessing to the reign of his word afresh. Can we unite? Again, at the throne of grace in prayer as we seek the Lord. Our loving and our gracious God, we come to Thee today and we thank Thee for the Word of God. We thank Thee that Thou hast given us grace. We've been made free from the slavery of sin. And we thank Thee that we have been brought into the servitude of Jesus Christ. We thank Thee that we're servants of righteousness and we thank thee for each one that is saved today, and we thank thee for the opportunity of coming into thy presence today. Bless thy word, write it upon our hearts, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Isn't it the portion of Scripture that we've read today here in Romans chapter 6 I want you to see that uh, the Apostle Paul is making it clear how the child of God should stand in regard to sin. Why we've why we've been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb uh, and we have been given grace. Does, does it mean that because there is grace and because we've been forgiven from our sins that we continue in sin? And the answer to that is, God forbid. He makes it absolutely clear that while we are justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that that justification doesn't stand alone, that there is holiness of life. And if you look at verse 22, he makes the situation very clear as to where the child of God should stand. He says, but now being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. It is said that in the Old Testament we have God's picture book. And in the Old Testament we draw many illustrations of New Testament truth or the truth that comes from God in all ages. And a great illustration of uh, the thing that Paul is teaching here is in that time when Gideon was uh, to tear down his father's altar of Baal. It says in Judges chapter 6, verses 25 and 26, uh, God said to Gideon, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. And you can see the illustration of what Paul is speaking about here. Gideon was to do a number of things there. The first thing that he was to do was to tear down the old Baal altar, that his family had and his father had and it was to be taken totally to the ground he was to leave the old ways and the old life and that's the equivalent of what is said there in verse 22 about being made free from sin but that's not all that Gideon was to do he was then to build a new altar on top of the rock and this was an illustration of the fact that now he was a servant of God Uh, He was to identify with Jehovah, and it was a sign here that he was following the Lord. It was an altar of consecration and devotion, and that's the second thing that Paul speaks about here. We're not only to tear down the old altar, but we're to build a new altar to God. And then when Gideon had raised the altar, he was to go forth to be a judge and deliverer in Israel. And that's the third step that is mentioned here. We have our fruit unto holiness. So the whole verse and the whole passage here speaks about holiness of life. If you look at verse 19, he says, Yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. And that's a command. That's an exhortation to God's people. We are to yield ourselves Uh, To righteousness and holiness. But the Bible is a wonderful book because not only does it give us the commands and the exhortations as to what we have to do, but God gives us the reasons why we are to do it. Now, God doesn't have to give us the reasons. He uh, could say, well, this is what you are to do. He could give the command, and because it's the command of God, then we would be bound Uh, it would be our bout and duty to do it. But God not only gives us the command, but he gives us the reasons why we are to do it, and also the steps by which we are able to put this into effect in our lives. And that's what I see in this portion of Scripture. We are to uh, yield our members as instruments unto righteousness and holiness. How do we do that? What is the process by which we are able to yield our uh, as instruments of righteousness unto holiness. Well in this portion of scripture, I want us to see the steps to holiness, the steps uh, to uh, that right walk with God, that obedience that we have are uh, to, to have in our lives. And there are three steps. In the portion of Scripture. And when you to see three things, there's something to be broken, and that's sin. And then there's something uh, to be bound, and that's ourselves. We are to become servants of God. And then there's something to become. We are to become holy. And I want us just to think about those three steps that we have in this portion of Scripture here as we walk the life of holiness and walk with God. And first of all then, there's something to be broken. And if you look in verse 22 at the text, the text says, but now being made free from sin. There's something to be broken. It's the slavery of sin we are to break. The slavery of sin is to be broken and smashed And we are to walk in the ways of holiness. Now, you look at the reality of sin in our lives. If uh, we are to become free from sin, we can see that, first of all, we were the slaves of sin. In fact, in this world, everyone that is born into this world, uh, no matter what family you're born into, whether it's a Christian family, whether it is a, a family that is... Uh, maybe in full-time service or in the midst of the work of God or uh, leaders in the Sunday school or in the uh, children's meeting or whatever it may be, we are all born in sin and shaped in in, iniquity. doesn't matter whether you've memorized the Bible as a child, whether you were sent to Sunday school as a child, you're still a slave of sin and a slave of uh, the desires uh, and the lusts of the heart. And there's no way that our minds and our affections uh, are enslaved and our will is not enslaved. We are all enslaved. We are totally depraved. Our mind and our hearts not disconnected with what we do. We understand that there is that slavery of sin. And that is manifested in different ways Uh, Some uh, manifested more than others, but the same uh, time we recognize that we are sinners in the sight of a holy God. Now, sometimes people find that's a hard pill to swallow. It's only when we are uh, walking with God, it's only the Lord that enables people to see the reality of what they are. Now, how much we should long that the power of sin should be shattered in our lives. Uh, Paul writes in verse 21, he says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? And he speaks here about the child of God, and he's ashamed of his old way of life. Now, before we were saved and before the Lord began to regenerate our hearts and our minds, there was no shame about things about sin. We gloried in sin. We ran after sin. We sought sin with all of our hearts. We enjoyed sin. But now there's a change of mind, there's a change of heart, or there ought to be. Sin is something that we're we're ashamed of our old way of life. We're ashamed of the way that we thought. We're ashamed of of the things that we did. The things that once we loved, now we hate. And the things that once we hated, now we loved. Every Christian should be grieved over sin. We should be grieved at the things that we did and about the way that we walked and about the lingerings of sin in our hearts. I hope today that that's uh, something that's true of you. Is it breaking your heart to think, of the things that are still there in your heart and in your life that haven't been given over to God. But then, not only do I see the reality of sin in our lives, but I want you to see the remedy for sin in our lives. There is a remedy. He says, now be made free from sin. So there is a freedom for sin. Where is that found? It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 8, verses 34 to 36, it says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And there is the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ setting the captive free from the slavery of sin he breaks the power of canceled sin he sets the prisoner free his blood can make the foulest clean his blood avails for me and first of all he comes at that time when we were saved by the grace of God he lifts us out of the miry clay and out of the horrible pit and he sets our feet upon the rock and establishes our goings And he puts that new song in our mouths, even praise unto our God. And there is that setting free from the power of sin. The power of sin is broken in the life of the child of God. If you look at verse 6 there, he says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. When When he died on the cross, those that are saved... Our sin, our old man, was put on the cross there with him. He says that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And it is in the power of the child of God then that we should not serve sin. We are able, uh, in that sense, to be free of sin. We are able to walk in that obedience to God, because of the new life where we were transformed by the grace of God. But let's be very careful when you see the remnant of sin in our lives. When it says that the body of sin might be destroyed, um, we might think, well, that means that sin is eradicated in our lives. That sin is gone uh, when it speaks about being destroyed. But the word destroyed there is a word the greek doesn't mean there the word destroy abolish once and for all it means to be rendered inoperative it means to be put out of action that's what sin. sin is not eradicated there is still the old man that is still that in our hearts and in our lives that we wrestle with uh, throughout our lives but we have the ability to walk with god We are to be obedient to him, to follow him day by day in our lives. And as we follow Christ, so we become more and more holy. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ uh, cleanses us from all sin. The Bible says, mortify Your members. It says, put off the old man, let anger and wrath be put away from you. And maybe it would help uh, to take an illustration. Maybe we think of the wars that are going on at the present time or even in the past. And you think of, for example, Israel in, in Gaza at the moment, and they have gone in there and they've had great success in capturing uh, the terrorists that are there in uh, Gaza, and they have uh, captured large parts of Gaza. And when they capture the uh, places that have them, they, they are under the control of Israel. But there are always little pockets of resistance here and there. And what happens is that they go in, and usually they call them mopping up operations. And isn't that the same in your life and mine? We, uh, The Lord has taken control. The, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in our hearts. The, the Lord has come to take control of all that we are. And we have the ability to resist sin. But there are still the pockets of resistance. There are the little bits of rebellion. That still, the little uh, love of sin's that still cling on in our hearts. And there needs to be the mopping up operation. And we need to yield ourselves to God. We need to yield ourselves to him in order that those things be dealt with. And the Lord continues to dwell or deal with those things in our hearts. But the great victory has already been won there in the center cross of Calvary. The Lord Jesus Christ has already won the victory over sin. And what we need to do today is to step into the victory that our Savior has won there on the center cross of Calvary. So there is something to be broken. And that is the, the uh, power and the presence are, well, the, the presence of sin will still be there, but, but the, uh, uh, the real power of sin needs to be broken in our lives. So there's something to be broken, but they don't want you to see there's something to be bound. If you look at verse 22 again in the text, it says, But now being made free from sin and become servants to God. And he uh, speaks about us now becoming servants to God. Now I want you to notice the title that he uses here. When it says become servants to God, the word that is translated servants in our authorized version is actually the word um, you would translate it more closely if you translated it as slave. We are tied. It speaks of somebody that's tied to a master or tied to somebody else. And when we are saved, we are tied to God. We become a slave of God, a servant of God. We're bound to him. Now, both the phrases servant of God and servant of Jesus Christ are used in the New Testament. And they're obviously um, the same title or refer to the same thing. Otherwise, we have two masters. And it, by the way, just shows us that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. If we're servants of God and servants of Jesus Christ at the same time, then we're, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. But we think of the way that the title servant of God is used in the Bible. It is used as a title of honor. It's not something to be despised. In uh, almost every case in the New Testament, where it uses the title servant of God or servant of Christ, it is applied as a badge of honor Paul uses it uh, at the start of Romans 1, verse 1, a servant of Jesus Christ, or a slave. Or in Galatians 1 and 10, he says a servant or slave of Jesus Christ. Paul then in Colossians 4 and 12 speaks of Epaphras as a servant of Christ. And that indicates that it's not just the apostles or the men who are servants of Jesus Christ. But everybody, every Christian, then is a servant of Jesus Christ. And not only does Peter use that title, but Peter in Second Peter one and one speaks of himself as a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And Jude in Jude one verse one also speaks of himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Now this would be a a very a strange title to apply to yourself, a slave. If, if it was counted as a a thing of humiliation. But it isn't. It's a badge of honor. It should be because God has created us. We are created to be his servants. That's what we ought to be and ought to do. So it is the greatest thing that we could be and do as to be a servant of Jesus Christ. So we notice the title he uses. But also, notice the transition he shows, because there is a, transna- a transition. He says in the verse, but now, being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness. But now, but now, now that indicates a transition. You, you were something before, but now you're a servant of Christ. Now you've been made free from sin. And that transition from the bondage of sin is a transition to the bondage of Christ. Before we were Christians, we're slaves of sin, but now we have a new master, a good master, a good shepherd. But there is a transition. Now, there is a dangerous teaching today in America particularly, that says, well, you can be uh, 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 saved by the grace of God, but not be a servant of Jesus Christ. In other words, the teaching is that you can profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then just continue on as you always did in the sins and in the lifestyle that you normally did and then maybe sometime later five ten years later you surrender yourself to christ you become serious about the things of god and that happens later no you'll notice what happens here there's an immediate transition this is what the word of god is indicating here as soon as you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're translated from being a servant of sin to being a servant of Jesus Christ. And that ought to be the mark of every child of God. It ought to be the mark that we are running away from sin and we are running to do the bidding of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is that obedience that we thought about last Lord's Day. And we think of how there is that transition that ought to take place. There's something new. We are new creatures in the Lord Jesus Christ. But also look at the transformation he illustrates here. For he speaks about this um, bondage here, or this transition, this transformation. And he uses two illustrations. The first illustration is of the slave who is abandoned by an old master. The old master is finished with him. This is really the the picture that Paul is giving here in Romans chapter 6. The old master is um, finished with him, so he's put out uh, into the marketplace, and he's bought by a new master. That's the illustration that is used here. But then in case that's an illustration really that is Um, something that people think is a terrible thing about uh, bondage, he takes another illustration there at the start of chapter 7. He speaks about a woman that is married to a husband, and she's bound by law to her husband. But once the husband dies, the bond or the union is, is snapped. She's free to marry again. And if she married again, there's a new connection. There's a second connection. It's an equal tie, as tight and all-embracing as the first tie was. And he uses that illustration. But you see how both of the illustrations speak of a new bond, a new bond. I wonder if you realize that the Lord Jesus is seeking to be bound up with you, just as vital as the slavery. And when we are slaves to Christ, it means that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ just the same way as we uh, served sin before. Sin had us running here and there, and we were looking for the things of sin. But you think of the Apostle Paul. When Paul was saved, when he, before he was saved, He was an enthusiast against the gospel. He he was going up to Damascus. He was putting himself out in order to further the ends of the old religion and his enmity against the Lord Jesus Christ. But what happened when he was saved? Well, he had a, a new enthusiasm. He now went everywhere preaching the gospel. He went out seeking to use his energy and his efforts in order to win others for the Lord Jesus Christ. And isn't that the same with us? I wonder today, is our enthusiasm for Christ the same as our enthusiasm for the things that we were involved in before we were saved? I wonder, is our dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ the same as our dedication to the things that we were involved in before we were saved, you see there needs to be a new bond a new as it were bondage and it is a bondage we are bound to Christ, but we're bound to a, a loving master, a master who looks after us and cares for us and is there uh, to promote our good in order that we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of him day by day but there's something to be bound. There's something uh, that uh, we, um, we, we need to break and something to be bound. But then thirdly, I want you to see there's something to become. It, the text goes on there in verse 22, but now being made free from sin, become the servants of God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Paul says there's a fruit, there's a benefit to holiness. Holiness, of course, is being separated from sin and separated onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification, uh, holiness refers to the moment-by-moment moment, uh, uh, growth that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It continues from the moment that we're born again of the Spirit of God right to the moment that we get to heaven and we're perfected. But he says, now being made free from sin, ye become the servants of God, give your fruit unto holiness. And there's the negative part of holiness, being free from sin, and there's the positive, being bound to the Lord Jesus Christ. The old material is carried off the construction site, and we erect something new in our lives. But I want you to see that the blessings that we have here Are supplied blessings. He speaks there about the fruit unto holiness. Holiness is not a product, it's a fruit. What's the difference? Well, a product is something that man makes, man manufactures. But this is not a product, it's a fruit. How? What does that mean? Well, it means that we can only get it from God. The fruits of the the earth well man might sow it but all we do is put the seed in the ground or the plant in the ground but all of the sunshine all of the nutrients all of the water all of that is supplied by god and so it is that this is a fruit you think of what the lord said abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more can ye accept ye abide in me. So the benefit is in our relationship too with the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only is this a supplying blessing, it's a sure blessing. He says, ye have your fruit. And that, that is sure, that is certain. If we walk with God, if we put our hand in the hand of God, and if we're, if we're obedient to God, we will grow in grace. We will progress. We will uh, uh, grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be changed. Our lives will change. We, uh, The anger, the stubbornness, all of the things that benight us, maybe things that we find hard to get rid of, those things will gradually disappear. As you read the Word of God, we are sanctified by the Word. As you sit under the preaching of the Word of God, gradually, gradually it affects you, like the water running over the stone that began begins to shape the stone and round the stone and take the rough ages of the stone so it is as we sit under the word of god as we read the word of god day by day as we seek the face of god in prayer so we are changed day by day but it is sure ye have your fruit and we recognize the change that takes place as we sit under the word of god but then i want you to see this is not only a supplied blessing and a sure blessing. It is a splendid blessing. It says, and the end, everlasting life. That's the ev- inevitable end, eternal life. That refers to glorification. It's the final aspect of our salvation. We will be brought to glory. And our new man, um, as it were, will be uh, there in heaven. Our only our new man will remain, and that'll be the final phase, and we will have eternal life, and that will go on throughout all eternity, forever and ever. But notice, there is something to break. There's something to become, or there's something uh, to be bound, and there's something to become. J. C. Ryle, one time first bishop, uh, Church of England, bishop of Liverpool, but he was a godly man, one of the greatest uh, Bible teachers uh, in England in the 18th, uh, 19th century. But he said this, to be born again is to enter into a new existence, is to have a new mind, new heart, new views, new principles, new tastes, new affections, new likes, new dislikes, new fears, new joys, new sorrows, new love to the things that once were hated, new hatred of things that you once loved, new thoughts of God, new thoughts of yourself, new thoughts of the world, new thoughts of the world to come, and new life in Christ. And there can't be a more dramatic illustration of the fact that all things have passed away and behold, behold, all things are become new. We are renewed In the inner man, day by day. Is that true of you? Are you progressing in the things of God? Is the sin, the old life, being broken? Are you being bound to the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to Him? And are you becoming holier and holier and walking with God in your faith day by day? Paul says, Shall we continue in sin? He says, God forbid. God forbid that we continue in sin. The life of the true child of God is one that progresses towards holiness of life and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And may that be true of all of our lives in these days. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank Thee for the steps to holiness that we have been thinking of here in this portion of Scripture. We thank Thee that we are bound to sin. We have the old life broken, and we have the sin of this world, uh, uh, the sin of our lives, that broken, and we are bound to Christ, and we're becoming more and more holy. Bless. Thy word and help us to become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' precious name, I would ask these things. Amen. We're going to uh, sing a couple of um, verses of Hymn four hundred and thirteen. Take time to be holy. Speak oft of Thy Lord. And I'll close in prayer. And then I want to just make an announcement. And I'm going to ask if the uh, broadcast is put off just before I make uh, the announcement just at the end. Take time to be holy, 413 verses 1 and 2, and we'll stand as we sing. Take time to be holy